Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Oxygen Community Studios on this Wednesday, a day away from the visit from the uh, Brooklyn Nets to Footprint Center to take on the reeling Phoenix Suns. And here to talk Suns basketball, NBA, some trade activity with us from ESPN. Their NBA insider Brian Windhorst joins us on the Arizona Sports Line. Brian, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Uh, there's been a lot made about this Jay Crowder situation. And I know you've had intel on it. You've reported on it, too. Uh, you know, maybe too many cooks in the kitchen for the Phoenix Suns holding up any potential deals. It is very likely that um, Matt Ishbia's finalization of becoming the owner of the Suns won't happen before the NBA trade deadline. My question to you is, uh, if that indeed happens, how big of a fail would it be on the Suns uh, uh, on the Suns plate if they've got to buy Jay Crowder out after the trade deadline? No, he's going to get traded, guys. He's going to get traded. Um, uh, and, and I think even if Ishbia isn't 100% um, affirmed and approved, I think the Ishbia transition is already kind of starting happen. Um, he's going to complete the, it looks like he's going to complete the transaction. And the way that I know this is that Robert Sarver has allowed him to come in and meet with his people. And I think there's more meeting scheduled. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw him at a Suns game soon. And that doesn't happen unless they think the transaction is going to close. And so I actually think the calming times are coming for the Suns. I'm not denying this is very turbulent, very unusual, and the Crowder trade is a symptom of everything that's going on. But I think better times are ahead. Um, and It'll 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 get done. Jay Crowder is going to get traded now. Whether there's a trade that can meaningfully help the team, that's a different discussion. We'll see what they're able to pull off. But um, they've been talking for months about this. It, it, they've been working on their options. It's going to get done. All right. Well, that's very reassuring, and, and I'm glad to hear that, Brian. I think a lot of Suns fans will be. There's been a disconnect here because James Jones has kind of evaded slipperily uh, and and with some elusiveness, kind of evaded the whole is Robert Sarver holding you back from making any deals. And we've seen this team with open roster spots, undermanned, dealing with injuries, falling apart. Um, how did it get to that point? Why did why was Robert Sarver able to enact that kind of language in the sale of the team? Yeah, it's a good question, guys. I mean, I don't know the direct answer to that question. Okay, um, I've seen the document that the NBA lawyer, the lead NBA lawyer uh, Rick Buchanan, who has been there for decades and is one of the most powerful people in the NBA, I saw the document that was sent from him to uh, the, the, the general counsel for the Phoenix Suns the day the suspension was announced. I don't know how that document was generated, but I guess is it didn't get generated in one day. <laughs> that it, There was, you know, my guess. Did you hear what I'm saying? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Are we underlining guess? I don't know. Um, is that there was negotiation. Um about the terms of the suspension. But also, in a vacuum, you can kind of understand that. This wasn't just a suspension. This was a suspension where Robert Sarver was knew that there was a possibility he might sell the team. He didn't just come to the terms that he was going to sell the team the day he announced it. My guess, and again, I'm going to underline this because I know that what I say is going to get pulled to pieces here. <laughs> so, okay. My guess is that he, when the, when the terms of the suspension were being put together, he knew he had to protect himself. And that, and to be honest with you, that's not an unreasonable thing 
for him to have. He was not being kicked out of the NBA. He was being suspended for a year and very, you know, there was a chance he could come back after a year and he didn't, you know, he didn't want while he was not able to control things to all of a sudden the team be changed over. So it's an unusual thing. It was a thing that was definitely kept quiet. You know, when I say it's unusual, I mean that, you know, it's unusual for some for an owner to be suspended, right? So it's it's a one-off rule that was created, um, but it's an understandable rule. Mm-hmm. It's just there's so much scar tissue between the Suns fans and Robert Sarver that it just sort of inflamed the situation. Brian Windhorst, NBA insider from ESPN, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line on Bickley and Murata mornings. Going back to the Jay Crowder situation, you said unequivocally he will be traded. As you look Probably, at it right yeah. now, uh, you know what? What's a realistic return in your in your mind for Jay Crowder, and 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 what can they get to help this push if it's indeed a push? Because we know which way they're going in the in the standings right now, Brian. Well, so this is the problem. The problem is if you have a player like Jay Crowder and you're trading him, you need to replace him. Okay, and so the but the the teams who want to trade for Jay Crowder. They're looking to try to get Jay Crowder, so they don't have a player like that. And so, as a result, a lot of these discussions have been three-team trades, okay? And so, um, and I always say a three-team trade is a no-team trade, because obviously they happen, but I'm telling you, it's like one-tenth of one percent of the three-team trades that get discussed. If you hear a trade rumor and it's a three-team trade, instantaneously I'm not interested. And if it's a four-team trade, I don't even let you finish this sentence. Okay? I mean, obviously they happen, but the point is this is difficult. So the Suns are not able to get back an exactly comparable player. And also you have the complication that the Suns have a a salary cap management issue. Not that they have a spending issue, but they have to decide whether or not they're going to be a salary cap space team next summer because they can go a couple of different ways. They can keep Chris Paul. They can extend Cam Johnson Mm -hmm. and they can be an over the cap team or excuse me. They can move on from Chris Paul. They can move on from Cam Johnson and they can go hunt in with salary cap space. Now, I don't think that's likely, but let's just be honest. That's the thing. So if you're going to trade Jay Crowder, you're trading him. you got to consider, am I, are we trading him for a guy who's got years on his contract? Or are we trading him for a guy who we want to have or two players that are, are ending their contracts so that we still have our flexibility? And if we don't know who our owner is and we don't know what our owner's position is on signing Cameron Johnson on whether or not to keep Chris Paul in that contract on whether or not to um, spend more money. How do we do it? And then, so it's not just a matter of Sarver having review over the trades. It's a fundamental discussion about the future of the organization. So that's what makes it difficult. Having said all that, the, the, the trade packages that I've heard discussed for, for, uh, for, um, for Jay uh, involve in a lot of cases, multiple players, multiple players that make less money and also potentially to be other Suns players involved. Um, you guys have been through this for months. It's not new to you. But um, I expect a trade that is a multiplayer trade because the Suns have a lot of different complex needs. And it's look, I promise you, James and his team have fully vetted the market. They've been trying it for months now.
You're so right about the scar tissue in this market. You know better than anybody what what we have been through collectively over the past 15 or so years. My question is this. We watched the end of that Pelican series last year when Chris Paul played almost the perfect basketball game, and it looked like he was headed towards a championship and playoff MVP and all that. And the day he turned 37, everything seemed to change for him just coincidentally, and he hasn't been back to that level. So I guess what I'm asking, if, if you were objectively looking at this basketball team, what do you think about its current window of opportunity? Yeah, I got to say, I was in New Orleans that night. I was in the I was in the in the interview room where Chris, what was Chris sixteen or sixteen or yep. fourteen? I don't even remember. Fourteen what it was. for fourteen, yeah. And everybody was wearing the the, the Jay Crowder shirts, like <laughs> in mocking, and uh-huh. you know Jay was all happy, and Chris was like nowhere in my in my wildest dreams that I think we would be where we're at right now. I, I think that anybody would agree with that. Okay, so uh, it's been an incredible series of events. I think if you were looking at the Suns on a dashboard, there's a lot that they got going for them. Okay, they have got a superstar franchise player signed to a long term contract. That's number one. They have got multiple young two-way wing players who defend. This is the most desirable spot in the league, and if you're going to get a franchise player, you need those types of guys. They have that. They have a franchise center. Now, there's issues there and scar tissue there, and I know that on Tuesday you may love him, and on Thursday (laughs) you may curse him, but he has value as a player. And we know he has value as a player because another team tried to sign him away for the max, okay? So they have a very good coach, okay? And I am optimistic about uh, Matt Ishbia as an owner. I think... You know, he has been preparing for a long time. I do think when you get a new owner, there's inherent mistakes that will be made. But he is, from what I understand, he has done a lot of groundwork. And he has been hiring people to help him that I I am impressed with who he's hired, without getting into into details. I have higher hopes for him as an incoming owner than I did for the team remaining for Robert Sarver. Also, I will tell you that they were 15 and six, as you guys know, through the, through mid or the end of November or whenever it was, that team is still there. Now you can come back to me and say, well, Aiton is not consistent. You know, in his commitment to the team is questionable because of what happened. True. Chris Paul, ever since he had that leg injury, I don't even 100% know. They said it was a heel. I'm not sure. Ever since he had that leg injury, he's not been the same player, and I would say that's true. Uh, you could say they are now you know, under 500 and losing games fast. That's true. There are some red dots on the dashboard, but they have a lot going for them. And the league was happy when the Suns were a dead zone. Because Phoenix is a desirable market that you can get free agents to. People want to be in Phoenix. It is a vibrant place that should be a vibrant NBA team. It was a vibrant NBA team for decades until they went to hibernation. And now they are back. And I see no reason why they will not remain relevant for the foreseeable future. Now, obviously it was disappointing the way last season ended. And what we've got right now is obviously been a very difficult time. But I'm telling you, I like where the team is headed. I think all of their goals are still in front of them. And Chris Paul's got to be healthier. He's got to play better. We know this. Devin has got to be healthier. If if there's not, it doesn't matter. But none of their goals are off the table. 
And they're going to have a new owner by the end of February, almost certainly. You might have some new players, and hopefully you got health. I, in the grand scheme of the last decade, as being a Suns fan, I still think you're in a pretty good spot. Yeah. Brian, thanks so much Thank for you, the uh, time and the insight. Always appreciate you coming on the show.